0: Welcome back to At the Buzzer. I'm your host Dean McCollum, alongside my co-host Tyler Fertel, Campbell Klein, and Max Rice. We have a special guest, Max, coming back on for his second his second round on At the Buzzer, and it's another round of uh, our MLB update. We usually do these try and do these about four times every MLB season. So, everyone, welcome Max, real quick, and let's get right into the action. So, first, we're gonna start off with everyone's opinion on sticky stuff. This has been a major problem in the MLB, a major topic in the MLB. We'll start off with Campbell on this one.
1: All right. Well, this is a pretty broad question, but I'll sort of go and talk about one sort of section of it. I feel like a lot of the pitchers, when being checked for uh, the substances on their glove and belt and hat and stuff, the pitchers that are throwing a fit, I feel like that's a little bit ridiculous because they did it to themselves. Like they're the ones that are, doing the like cheating, if you want to call it cheating, but like they're the ones that brought these checks upon themselves. If they just stayed away from using sticky substances to help their pitching, like they wouldn't be forced to do these checks after innings. Yeah. It's a little bit frustrating. It takes more time out of baseball games, which are already really long, but I mean, they did it to themselves. They can't really complain about this at this point. So yeah, that's where I sort of stand on this.
2: Um, And kind of, kind of going in a different way that Campbell did. Uh, I'm going to talk about MLB's approach to it because I'm going to go on a little rant here. Cause I, we talked about this on our chat a, a couple of days ago and in a camp that we did, but Tyra glass now was talking about in a press interview, how injuries have resulted because they changed the rules in mid year and everyone already had their way of doing things. They have their ways of pitching and they were doing it and they were being successful doing it. And then all of a sudden MLB comes in and changes it and says, After basically their laws about sticky stuff were the most unclear thing ever. They never said you can have it or you can't have it. And then all of a sudden they said, they said, no, you can't have it anymore. And just took everything away. Basically saying, Oh, it doesn't matter if our rules were clear or not clear. You're not allowed to use it anymore. And obviously injuries are going to result because of it. Because when you have your whole formation or your whole ways of doing things like Tyler Glasnow did with his certain sticky stuff. And then all of a sudden you're not allowed to use it anymore. You have to change the ways and that results in injuries. So the MLB is basically asking for pitchers to be hurt and asking for the game to be less entertaining because big players are not going to be playing anymore. So I just feel like, obviously I don't support sticky stuff. It's not something that I think should be in the game, but the MLB should have done something about it in the off season or during spring training, not in the middle of the year because they should have known that this was going to result pitchers being mad a bunch of injuries resulting. So I feel like if the MLB wanted to get rid of sticky stuff earlier in the year, earlier in the offseason, or early in the spring training, I would have been completely fine with it because sticky stuff shouldn't be in the game, but happening, but it happening mid season makes it a really big problem for the MLB because they're kind of screwing pitchers.
3: Yeah. You kind of put it really well there on my only opinion on this. I think they should have kind of kept it, but like not kept it. Where they have like one, maybe one substance that every pitcher can use. Cause some of the people that are throwing super hard, like Tyler Glasnow, Garrett Cole, some of them have trouble gripping the ball. Like sometimes they need it to help them pitch. I feel like they could have used a median that everyone uses. It so it's an equal playing field, but like they could have handled it a lot better. And I feel their approach was horrible. First instance, one example was there's a knuckleballer. I forget his name, but like checking a knuckleballer for sticky substance. substance when he's trying to get the opposite of spin rate, which is the goal sticky, sticky substance was really bad. So I feel like it was just a horrible situation.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think they also could have just, as Tyler was talking about at the very least do this during the all-star break and like give them three, four days to adjust. And if they realize, Oh, I'm pulling a muscle while I'm sorry about my dogs. But if they realize that something's uncomfortable, they at least realize that during the all-star break and like, To go along with what Max was saying, there was a uh, position player on the mound when his team was being blown out, and they checked him for sticky substances, which is just stupid. Obviously, he's not trying to get better spin rates as a position player.
2: Yeah. And it's just when we're talking about like this happening midseason, like there's no way Rob Manfred and like the whole MLB had no clue this was coming. Like they had to have known that taking sticky stuff completely out of the game. Mid season was going to result in some injuries, and they probably didn't care because I mean, the team doc I mean, not team doctors, but there had to be someone within the MLB organization that knew making changes in your pitching ways is going to result in your arms not being used to how you're throwing, and that results in injuries. So, I just feel like the MLB, like the way they did this, could probably couldn't have been worse because they're now like it's now making it for e- kind of easier for batters to hit because pitchers aren't pitching the same way. I mean, obviously not every pitcher uses sticky stuff, but some of the best ones did because it helped them and taking that out of the game mid season really just doesn't help. I mean, it helps the batters in a way, but it just doesn't really help many teams because a lot of players are getting hurt, but obviously sticky stuff. is probably better to be out. Of, it's probably better for it to be out of the game, but I just don't like how the MLB resulted uh, the situation
0: all right, now we're going to move on to uh, another topic. And what are you guys' thoughts on uh, Ronald Acuna Jr.'s uh, torn ACL? He's out for the season, very promising young player. We'll start off with Max on his opinion.
3: Um, I think he was 100% in the MVP race. I think this really changes everything up. I mean, a lot of different perspectives now you got to look at it. And ultimately, this just kills the Braves. He was a center of their offense sent to use a captain of their team i feel like their chances of making a uh, playoffs is hurt a lot now because of his injury but more so with the mvp race i think this opens a lot of more opportunities for some people that maybe we're getting a little bit overlooked to uh, sneak their way into the race
1: uh yeah i mean obviously it's gonna hurt the mvp race obviously he's not gonna win mvp is what i'm saying. But also it's just bad for the game of baseball. He's one of the most entertaining players in baseball. Like there's not really much reason to turn on a Braves game anymore. Like he's so much fun to watch. He's just so electrifying. I sort of think him and uh, Tyler's favorite, Fernando Tatis Jr. are the two most exciting players to watch. And we just lost Acuna for the rest of the year. So that's definitely going to hurt, just going to hurt baseball in general because they're not going to be as fun to watch anymore.
2: Yeah, I just feel like Acuna, he's such a good player. And like Campbell said, he's such a fun player to watch. Him, Tatis, and probably Shohei are going to be the future of the MLB. So just seeing someone go out like that, it's, it's really sad to see. And I feel like he's a speedster. Like he thrives on his speed in the center field, and he thrives on stealing bases and everything. Obviously, he hits a bunch of home runs, but his speed is a big part of his game. And seeing that he tore his ACL and that that really could affect his speed, it's definitely tough to see because you want the best players in the MLB to always be at full health. So hoping the best recovery for Acuna um, sucks for the Braves, obviously probably smaller chance to make the playoffs. Obviously they still have Albies and Freeman and uh, what's Austin Riley's third baseman. I'm pretty sure he's good. Um, But they, yeah, they just don't, it's just, it's bad to see one of the MLBs best go out, especially in the way he did when he was trying to make a really good play. So, yeah.
0: All right, Tyler, we'll go right back to you uh, for this next uh, question. What do you think about Vlad Guerrero Jr. going for the triple triple crown? And for those of you who don't know, the triple crown is home runs, RBIs, and batting average. So, Tyler, what are your thoughts on Vlad Guerrero going for that?
2: I mean, I think he has a pretty good chance. I mean, in the in the in the all-star game, he won MVP after hitting a home run off of Corbin Burns. That was extremely impressive. But I think he's is he's second in the AL behind uh behind Shohei in home runs, right? And then I he's leading in batting average, and I'm pretty sure he's top three in RBIs too. So
1: yeah, he's leading she, in RBIs.
2: He's leading in RBIs. So I mean, if you look at those stats, like if Shohei cools off a little bit and starts to focus a little more on his pitching because that could always happen, Vlad Guerrero Jr. could be leading in all three uh, for a good part of the uh, second half of the year. So I like his chances here. He's playing really, really good baseball. He's been on a roll recently. He's probably, I don't know, I think Shohei's probably the leader for Cy Young, but I think Vlad Guerrero is the leader for, are, uh, for MVP just because, I mean, look at the stats he's putting up right now. So if he if he does keep it up, I feel like he does have a pretty good chance to win Triple Crown, which is something that not many players can ever do in their career.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously he's right there to win Triple Crown, as Tyler said, leading in two of the three categories. But I think just, like, logically speaking, I feel like he probably won't get it done with, I forget who someone's right behind him in batting average and he's below Shohei by five in home runs. And someone's also right behind him in RBIs. So just like statistically speaking and like logically, he's probably not going to get it done. But I mean, yeah, if he explodes during the second half, like he did during the first again, and he continues batting like 335, like he did in the first half. Yeah. He's going to have a good chance at it, but, uh, yeah, I just don't think he's going to be able to put together the same second half as he did first. It's just, I think it's going to be too much for him to do.
3: Yeah. I mean, he's a great player following in footsteps of his dad, who was also a really good player, but this season, he's going to have to have a breakout second half to secure the MVP. I mean, Shohei, what he's doing is just unbelievable. And then other players like Xander Bogarts and people like that who are also having great seasons. He's going to have to really blow it away or it's going to come down to the wire. But if Shohei could continue dominating on the mound with a sub three ERA and still hit like he is and even get the 60 home runs, I think it's going to be in Shohei's hands and not Vlad.
0: All right. Uh, now we're going to move on to the MVP races for both the AL and the NL. Campbell and everyone after him, who do you like winning uh, the MVP uh, for both leagues?
1: Um, So I'm going to go with two pitchers, Shohei Otani and Jacob deGrom, uh, but mainly Shohei for his hitting. But uh, yeah, those two players have just been unbelievable in the first half. Jacob deGrom did have a little bit of a stumble during the last few starts of his first half. His ERA rising to above one, but... I think if he can control that and potentially even bring it back down below one, I think he's going to be able to win uh, the NL MVP over Tatis, who I believe is probably second in most people's books at the moment. And then uh, Shohei, like we just talked about, I think it's him versus Vlad in the AL. And I just don't think Vlad is going to be able to put together the same level first half again. So I'm going to go with Shohei because he can rely on having, if he has either really good pitching or really good hitting in the second half. I think he's gonna be able to bring this uh award home.
2: Um for I'm gonna start in the AL here for Cy Young, I think it's gonna be Shohei Otani. Obviously, I mean I feel like his pitching's good enough to win him alone, but him doing both at the same time even for a pitchers award is extremely impressive. And then the MVP I'm actually I'm gonna go with Vlad. I feel like that Shohei might not Obviously, I still think he's going to win Cy Young, but I feel like it's really hard for a pitcher to win both Cy Young and MVP. And I feel like for that reason, if Vlad can put up good enough numbers to like keep on the same level as Shohei, or even if Shohei slows down a little bit and Vlad has a little bit better of a second half, I like Vlad's chances there just because a pitcher doesn't win Cy Young very often. I mean, a pitcher doesn't win MVP very often. A pitcher wins Cy Young every year. But, uh, and then in the NL... For Cy Young, it's a no-brainer. I think it's going to be Jacob Degrom. I mean, he's having arguably—I mean, he's having one of the best pitching, best pitching seasons in history. So, I mean, if you don't give it to him in the NL when it's when it's halfway through the season right now, I mean, it's it's got to be him. Uh, But you never know; another pitcher could emerge in the second half. But uh, for MVP, I'm going to go with Tatis. Like I said in the AL, it's really, really hard for a pitcher to win both the Cy Young and MVP. And I feel like if Tatis continues to excel. His stats continue to get better and better. And DeGrom can't keep that level that he had at the beginning of the season. Despite him being able to win Cy Young, I feel like the MVP is more like a position player award or an uh just not a pitcher award. So I'm going to go with Tatis and Vlad for MVPs and uh, DeGrom and Otani for Cy Young.
3: Yeah, I mean, I feel in my opinion, I'm going to start with the NL. I think what Jacob DeGrom is doing hasn't been seen for a few years, at least that I can remember. And he's having one of the most dominant seasons a pitcher's had in a while. So I think I like his chances of winning MVP. But one person I want to see who's having an absolute breakout year is Nick Castellanos. I think if he can just light it up in the second half, he's an equal contender for that mvp race considering i don't think jacob DeGrom is going to keep like a whatever pointy era or whatever he has right now which is absolutely unbelievable but i want one of those two to win it in my opinion and um for the al i think it's shohei it's got to be him like he's a two-way stud i mean people are comparing to babe ruth i don't think he's at that level yet but Considering what he's doing, hitting bombs, I mean, he was in the home run derby, kind of wasn't super good, but that's besides the point. And then to be in the home run derby and then still come on a mound and absolutely shove it. I mean, he's 100% the front runner for that award.
0: Now we're going to move on to the NL West race. It's getting pretty interesting between three teams, the Dodgers, the Padres and the Giants. Uh, Tyler, we'll go back to you and on this one. Who do you like coming out uh, of the NL and uh, representing them in the, Super, uh, not in the Super Bowl, the World Series?
2: <laughs> I mean, the NL West, it's not even a conversation what division is the best in the league. I mean, it's obviously the NL West. They would have three teams in the playoffs going into the playoffs if they started tonight. So, I mean, that's crazy. Uh, the Giants have the best record in the MLB, obviously. I don't think they're going to continue it. I mean, I feel like they're going to play more division series with the Dodgers and Padres, uh, and that's going to give them some losses because I feel like the Dodgers and Padres are both better teams than them. Obviously, that's not what the record shows, but at least in my perspective, they're more talented. And I feel uh, that, yeah, I mean, I I think with – obviously, the Giants have a pretty good roster, but I, I feel like they're going to slow down. I mean, I feel like the Dodgers and Padres roster – it's just on paper, and it's just better. And I feel like their pitching, the Giants' pitching, has been surprisingly great. Their hitting has been surprisingly great. But they gone, they went in a couple slumps on uh, the first half of the se- season. Like I think it was like two or game, two or three game slumps that they dropped. But uh, obviously, I feel like there's going to be opportunities for teams to sweep them more because you know they gave a lot in the first half of the season to just be up in this division. So I feel like they're gonna. They're going to end up dropping a little bit. I still think that they can make the playoffs. I think that they could be potentially the two seed or the three seed. I just feel like either the Dodgers or the Padres are going to be end up being the one seed. Uh, and obviously that the Dodgers and Padres, two most talented teams in the league in my perspective, two of the best pitching rosters, two of the best hitting rosters. So I feel like it's kind of going to be neck and neck. I mean, they're destined to play in the second round of the, of the postseason, which would just be absurd. So uh, I'm excited to see what happens in the second half of the season. I think they have three more series in the second half of the season. So we might get a little more uh, pl- uh, post-season preview series uh, going with the Dodgers and the Padres, but they're both super injury prone recently. I mean, the Padres IL includes you Darvish, Blake Snell, the Nelson Lamette, a little bit Chris Paddock sometimes. So their pitching has been extremely inconsistent. You uh, Darvish and Joe Musgrove had, Pretty good seasons, both good seasons, but they've had some performances where they'll let up four, five, six runs and only a couple of innings, which causes a lot of trouble. And then Blake Snell is not having as good of a season as he did last year. But obviously the Dodgers problems, uh, they also have some problems. Cody Ballinger has been riddled with injuries. Bookie Betts has been out with injuries. We know the situation with Trevor Bauer. Uh, and then they're pitching also, I mean, Walker Bueller and Clay. Clint- and Kershaw have been pretty good. Walking Bueller's been a little better than Clayton Kershaw. But other than that, Dustin Mays on the IL. Julio Rios the last time the Padres played him, put up like six in the first inning. So, uh, I mean, I just feel like both teams, it's going to, like we, we talked about this a little before, but it's just going to be the team who's more on a hot streak going into the playoffs. Because I feel like that's all that's going to really matter. Who's going to be on a hot streak? Because both teams have gone on huge slumps, Both teams have gone on a huge hot streak, so it's just going to be who's playing better baseball going into the playoffs. Not really – it doesn't really matter who's the one seed or who's the four seed in my perspective or five seed in my perspective because both teams are extremely equal, but who's going to be on a better hot streak going into the playoffs and when they're in their series is my perspective.
1: Um, I'm going to go with the Dodgers to come out of the NL West. I'm going to be a little more blunt than Tyler. I mean, yeah, all those things Tyler said are true. Hot streak, whoever's playing well is going to win. Obviously, it's going to come down to injuries as well. But, I mean, I just think things are uh, shaping up well for the Dodgers going in, going into the second half of the season. Clayton Kershaw got a little break on the 10-day IL, and he'll be back after uh, the All-Star break. I forget when his next start is, maybe like Saturday or Sunday. Um, Corey Seager is coming back soon. Uh so, yeah, I think things are just shaping up well for the Dodgers right now. Obviously, as Tyler mentioned, there's some stuff with Trevor Bauer, so he probably won't be with the team anytime soon. But, uh, I mean, I just think the roster's sort of coming together for the first time this year. We've sort of had injuries all year, first with Cody Bellinger. Then when he was getting ready to come back, Corey Seager has just been sort of on and off with our star players. And I think – I'm hoping – that we're going to sort of find our luck with injuries and just stay healthy for the rest of the season now that we got everyone back. So I think with our healthy roster, I don't think any team's going to be able to touch us, honestly. So, yeah.
2: Oh, and before Max goes really quickly, I want to say something else about the Padres with all those injuries. I feel like it's very likely that they are buyers in the trade market, potentially getting a player like Joey Gallo, another pitcher like Jose Barrios, if they really, really try Hard, they could potentially try and get Max Scherzer. So I feel like there's definitely gonna be a market where they're trying to get those big players because they want to win now and they're gonna try and show that. So with all these injuries and inconsistent play from a couple of players, definitely feel that the uh Partridge will be buyers in free uh in the trade market.
3: Um, I mean it's kind of being a little biased, but I think the Dodgers are gonna come out in the one seed historically. We've never, like, we've never been the one seed going into the All-Star break. We've always been lower seeds. And then we just go on a tear at the second half of the season. As Campbell said, we're getting Corey Seeger back, which is a huge asset. I mean, some players have been stepping up huge. Chris Taylor, I mean, what a season he's been having. Max Muncie's going off. Gavin Lux stepped up really well for us. And I feel now that we're getting a ton of players back, we're going to be that much more better. The Giants, I don't even know what happened. They're, I mean, yeah, they're good. They have Kevin Gosman, who's having an MVP season on the mound. But I just feel they won't be able to keep this up for the rest of the season. And they, I mean, they're good, but like, it, I feel it's a little bit just like luck. There, A lot of teams were hurt. Fernando got hurt. Like, Walker Buehler got hurt. Clayton Kershaw got hurt for a little bit. So I feel now that a lot of people are getting a little more healthy, that the Giants are going to drop a little bit.
0: And Max, we'll go right back to you. Uh, who do you guys think uh, which team or player have been the biggest disappointment so far this season? Biggest disappointment? Hmm. I would say Reds
3: pitcher Luis Castillo. I've been expecting a huge season out of him considering what we've seen of him in the past. And this year he just let us down. I don't know his exact ERA or his stats, but I just know he's been atrocious and I haven't heard any good things about him this season. So I was really disappointed in what he's been doing this year.
2: Um, For me, for I'm going to start with the team. I'm going to go with the New York Yankees. Obviously, Andrew would probably agree with me. He's at camp right now. That's why he's not here. But uh, they've had an extremely disappointing season. Uh, they're lacking good hitting from a bunch of positions. I mean, they need some left-handed hitters their whole uh, their whole order is basically righties, which has caused a lot of problems for them. Their pitching outside of Jared Cole has been extremely inconsistent and even he has been inconsistent. So nothing's really going well for the Yankees right now, especially because they're supposed to be world series contenders. So also expect them to be buyers in the trade market because they're going to be looking for some left-handed hitters. They're going to be looking for some bullpen pitchers. And so definitely think that, uh, they're another team to watch at the trade deadline, another team to watch that should and needs to improve in the second half of the season. And then also for my player, I'm going to go with the AL MVP for my season, Jose Abreu. Uh, I haven't really heard much about him this year. I mean, he won the AL MVP this year and he didn't even make the all-star game uh, this past, this season. And I don't know if he's been riddled with injuries or I don't know if he's been a little injured a little bit, but all I know is that he hasn't been playing very good baseball in his There've been a bunch of players on his team that have been outplaying him including Tim Anderson. On um, their pitching's been good too. So, they're obviously number 1 in their division. So, he has to be doing something right. I just feel like he's not excelling as much as he has at least in the last season because he didn't even make the All-Star game this year after a uh, year after uh, winning MVP.
1: Um, so I'm going to start with my player. I'm going to go with uh, Francisco Lindor. Who sort of picked it up in like the latter half of the first half of the season, but still pretty much all of his stats are down from the past few years batting average up to this point, home runs, slugging percentage, just everything is sort of down for him. So uh, I still think there's a chance for him to turn it around, but with how much money he's making, I think that uh the Mets and their fans should expect more out of him. And then for a team, I'm going to agree with Tyler. I don't think there's any other answer to this. The Yankees have just been so disappointing this year they were like the third most likely they they were top three favorite to win the world series this year and they're just gonna struggle to make the playoffs everything nothing's really working for them except for Aaron Judge he's their only bright spot so uh yeah they've been really disappointing this year so yeah two uh New York players slash teams disappointed me this uh first half and our last uh, topic we're going to discuss before we move on
0: a shot clock. Who do you guys think is the best power hitter in the league?
2: Um, I feel like this question is being brought up because of Pete Alonzo. Obviously, one is back to back uh, home run derby a couple of days ago. So that was really impressive from Pete Alonzo. I mean, he had 35 home runs in the first uh, in the first round. So that's incredible. I mean, It's really hard to dispute that he's the best power hitter in the league. I'm not sure how many home runs he has. I don't really know, but I think Shohei and Tatis both have more than him. So for now, I'm going to say that Pete Alonso isn't the best power hitter in the league, despite being really good in the home run derby. I feel like that's a completely different ball game than regular MLB is. So I still think that it's another player. I'm not quite sure who. But yeah, he only has 17 home runs to I think Tatis's 28 to Shohei's like 33. I think so. Yeah, I feel like I'm gonna Shohei's been incredible. I'm gonna still say he's the best power hitter in the league, and I feel like Tatis is up there too. But I mean, obviously Shohei didn't have the best home run derby, but I feel like a regular baseball game is completely different from the home run derby, so it's really hard to say who's the best power hitter in the league from a home run derby because they're pitching slower. It's a completely different type of thing. But obviously Pete Alonso, I think is probably three because he's won back-to-back home run derbies. But I can't quite say he's the best power hitter because of the home run derby.
1: Uh, Yeah, I hate to sound like a broken record, but Shohei Otani is definitely the best power hitter in the MLB. I'm going to read this stat off my phone really quick. 16 home runs hit at 110 miles per hour or above which is ridiculous and 17 home runs hit 420 plus feet like that's just unbelievable like there's there's no other player that's doing that in the league it has to be Shohei in my opinion Pete Alonso's going against some dude throwing like 40 miles an hour it's not the same as Shohei hitting bombs off of guys throwing 100
2: yeah, it seemed like in the home run derby that Pete Alonso was a lot more prepared than Shohei Otani for the home run derby. I'm not, I mean, Shohei probably was thinking, like, oh, it, it can't be that much different. Getting pitches from like slower should just be easier, or getting slower pitches is probably just going to be easier to like bomb out of the park. But it was completely different for him. Pete Alonso was used to that speed, he's used to the home run derby environment. So, I feel that Shohei, despite losing in the first round of the Home Run Derby, is still probably the best hitter, uh, tra- uh, home run hitter in the league.
3: I think the only person to uh, compete with Shohei Otani in the power conversation is, has to be the uh, other MVP, second place, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I mean, we saw in the All-Star game. He hit that ball, I think it was 106 miles per hour, right back at Max Scherzer. He hit that ball rocket to left field. I mean, he's been doing it all season. He's been just roping balls left and right. And I feel, in my opinion, he's the best power in baseball. But Shohei Otani can also easily win that conversation too.
0: All right. So for our Shot Clock segment, we're going to bring it back to the NBA. And right now, as we're filming this, uh, it is the NBA Finals. And the series between the Bucs and the Suns, it is two to 2-2 two, the Bucks. Have just come back down 0-2. Now they've tied it two to two. So we're gonna scratch all of our old predictions away for the NBA finals and just go for a brand new prediction right here. Who do you think who do you guys think is gonna win the rest of the, who do you guys think is gonna win the series? The Bucks or the Suns? It's two two. Keep that in mind right now. Uh we'll start with Campbell. Let me just get my stopwatch out. All right, Campbell, twenty four seconds on the clock. Ready? Begin.
1: All right, so I'm going to go with the Bucs to win the finals with it tied 2-2. They've sort of stolen all the momentum from the Suns. Giannis is sort of figuring out how to deal with the double team being sent at him. Chris Paul's sort of folding under the pressure of the playoffs. I think he's had 15 turnovers in his last three games. That's not very point-godlike of him. So I just think the Bucs are sort of going to ride this momentum into a Game 7 victory over uh, the Suns. All right, we're go- we'll go
0: to Tyler next. 24 seconds on the clock. Ready, begin.
2: Okay, so I'm going to still stick with my previous prediction after when it's 2-2. I'm going to go with the Suns in seven. I feel like they're the more consistent team. They're the team that is less streaky, despite the Bucks being a better defensive team. The Suns, I feel like, are like their, their efficiency is better. They have more players that can score. I feel like if they can play decent defense on Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton, they're going to be able to get it done just because they have so many people who can score efficiently and consistently. So, yeah.
0: All right, Max, I think this is your second shot clock of all time. So 24 seconds on the clock. Ready, begin.
3: Uh, I'm going to have to do with Cam on this, one. I think it's going to be the Bucks. I mean, Chris Milton dropped. I'm pretty sure it was 40 last night. Him and Drew Holiday are stepping up. Then that trio, I think, is unbeatable. Even Devin Booker is playing the DeAndre Ains also playing great, but Chris Paul. But the Suns are when he's going to have to really step up. And in my opinion, I think the Bucs are going to take this one home in seven.
1: All right, now, all-time Dean, 24 seconds on the clock, starting now. So I'm going to agree with
0: Campbell and Max instead of 7 games I'm going to go Bucks and 6. The Bucks have all the momentum in the world right now. I mean Chris Middleton just dropped 40 plus yesterday and even though Devin Booker also did Chris Middleton was able to match that as a second option on that team. Also the Bucks pulled off a very very crucial win yesterday and it was Bucks versus rest of the entire game the Suns were getting every single call. Devin Booker had 8 fouls. Uh, I just think the Bucks have too much momentum to lose. All right, so that's going to do it for this week's episode of At The Buzzer. Make sure to follow us on all social media platforms at ATBuzzer Podcast and the platform you're listening on today, and we'll see you next time.